Welcome aboard. This is Captain Ryan from the cockpit. I know this is probably your first Star Wars-based podcast, and it's mine, too. <laughs> well, it looks like we're going to have a smooth episode about Star Wars, so I'll go ahead and ready the opening theme. I mean, all Star Wars conversation is smooth, right? Hey! Hey! of all ages to another episode of unbuilt an unrealized theme park podcast with me here today as always is my co-host ryan <laughs> dorman may the fourth be with you i i love star wars i love star wars mm-hmm. I'm, you, trying, I'm on my best behavior today are you are you to... staring at any um star wars action figures right now luckily no i luckily. i, I th- throws all away no, those are all at my desk at home. I have my Captain Phasma from yes! when I thought she would be an interesting character. I had Kylo Ren from when I thought he would be an interesting character. What about Ray? I'm not. My lawyer says I'm. I shouldn't be talking about. I should refrain from making any opinions about Ray. <laughs> <laughs> the the words Mary and Sue are no longer allowed to enter your mouth. If anyone in the audience can get me one of the Werner Herzog figures, I would be very. I would, I would like be to see the baby. Yes, I want. I want to get a little Werner Herzog Star Wars figure. <laughs> I would never call her Mary Sue. That was all you. Please, someone clip that. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh star wars is a very interesting topic for us to to discuss i mean it's not like a complete cultural collapse has happened around its own fan base and <laughs> the cultural collapse happened in the world around it woke yeah. disney ruined star wars <laughs> oh god oh my god i've i've, I've, I've joined them ryan yes. this... <laughs> join the fandom menace yes that's right I, you know, you, last uh, episode you posted something about me in a, in a Star Wars spinner and my it's mentions. Death Star spinner. Yeah, my mentions were just like getting a bunch of uh, a bunch of people like that. I was like, a bunch of people must think I really have these horrible <laughs> Star Wars opinions. And then you sent me this week's link, and I was like, they're really gonna think I don't like. That. <laughs> but it is, it is May the fourth. And we do need to finally address the Max Rebo in the room. These oh, like unbuilt that. Star Wars rides. And <laughs> now it feels stupid to even like ask, oh, what is your relationship to Star Wars? Because that's just that is such a loaded question nowadays. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to really talk about you. It's more interesting when somebody says, Oh, you know, obviously. I'm a person who has a consciousness, so I'm aware of Star Wars, but uh, I do not find it interesting or I don't really care about it. Or I, I haven't seen the movies and stuff like that because 
most people they grew up on Star Wars. I, I as a child in the '90s, it was impossible to escape. In 1997, they do the special editions, and that really reawakens Star Wars to the people. But I mean, honestly, as a person who took in a lot of pop culture through theme parks i mean it's star tours that's that's really what first brought mm. me onto the scene for star wars now were did you ride star, star tours first before aware of the films or was it the other way around this is let's see let's see if i can jog my memory here i know that well the sad thing is is that my introduction to star wars was the lego games to the point where nowadays i think i've i don't i re- think i've seen all of the star wars movies <laughs> i think i guarantee you i think? have yeah but there was a long period of time where it was like through osmosis from the lego video games right plot. Mm-hmm. but i i went on star tours definitely after seeing the movies my my dad was very keen on showing me star wars at a young age and i went on the first star tours i think maybe only once or twice because by the time what was it when was what year was adventures continue adventures continue came out in 2011 and the ride itself the original star tours ride closed in 2010 right so i think i think yeah star tours was something that was definitely after i knew what star wars was it was a good supplementary material although i think i was so young i didn't really understand what was happening Mm -hmm. so (laughs) what was what was your opinion of star tours so star tours i remember having like i thought it was cool that it was star wars because at the time Mm -hmm. i was a big silly kid who would beg my parents for lightsabers (laughs) in fact i remember going to dub once upon a toy and just (sighs) kind of sitting at the lightsaber builder thing um my opinion was that my mother hated it. That was kind of the only <laughs> thing I remember. Is that you go on that ride with someone who has a horrible motion sickness. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. But I, I remember liking it. Oh, you know what's actually never mind. I remember I went on Star Tours multiple times because the last time I went on it, right before I guess the, the, the final trip before it closed, I sat right in front of Rex and I saw his little pull before oh remove the light yeah that's right and i remember being like wow that's so exciting i hope it's i hope it's they they can keep him in the ride and they didn't but yeah i think i remember star tours being the ride that made me nauseous oh. <laughs> i guess it was um <laughs> only recently have i begun to appreciate the the just zaniness of the concept that mm-hmm. it's uh, a uh tourist service in the star wars star wars it's universe, universe yeah yeah, because I think when I went on it as a kid, I took it at face value. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like have the capacity. And then every other time after that, same same kind of deal where I was just like, oh, this is like Star Tours. And only recently did it ever click. And it's like, this is this is a very silly concept for a, right. for a theme park ride. Yeah. I feel like Star Tours is interesting because it's such a subsection of star wars fandom that like of course collides with you know my own theme park fandom and it's something that's not really acknowledged very much by star wars itself you know you had you know we were bringing this up when it was airing but the book of boba fett the rx droids that populated the entire thing but they they never wanted to like actually put a star speeder on screen which i thought was interesting did they correct me if i'm wrong did they do something for rise of skywalker or am i misremembering rise of skywalker there is a two second two seconds no it was literally two seconds where there's a star speeder on screen yes i in the final panel yeah 
I think it's just because of how absurd the concept is. It's funny. The Star Tours concept is almost... No, you're right. You're right. It's almost like the first little bit of like the prequels level thinking where you expand Mm. the universe like crazy, seeping through very early on. And I guess that's been the big difficulty of trying to get them to come together because Mm -hmm. it really doesn't mirror any level of the star wars mythos at least right. pre episodes one two and three it, it's a it's a theme parky ride yeah uh, you're right no you're right it is a theme parky idea yeah and it doesn't necessarily easily fit in because you know if you <laughs> if you had the mandalorian and he goes upon a star speeder 3000 or whatever like it's very odd right and it's not fitting in with that it wouldn't fit as easily in with the same scene where he is uh, he, like he's reminiscing about baby Yoda growing <laughs> oh, you know and he <laughs> it would it, it wouldn't fit as well it, it wouldn't feel natural so I yeah i be, totally get what you're funny. talking about It'd be a funny idea that like he's uh he's he has to wait at the terminal like an airplane. It's just an episode of a well, well, airplane. Not only that, but just like getting into a, a vehicle that re- resembles the ride vehicle itself. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it doesn't fit. But that's I think what makes it so interesting, or at least so so perfect for a theme park, is that mm-hmm. it is it is it it couldn't exist in the world of the actual thing. Right. Uh, it, it's very specific for the theme park. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. At least the first one. So we're going to be touching upon about three major ones. There's a lot of side stuff that we'll be mm-hmm. talking about as well, but we're going to hit upon three major ones. So with that said, are we ready to talk nothing about Star Wars? I, I've got a bad feeling about this one. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Light speed to end it. Okay, let's do this. Star Wars Unbuilt Attraction. Let's start off with a prologue, which most of you know, but let's do it anyways. In 1977, Star Wars hit the screens, now referred to as Episode 4, A New Hope, and Lit the World on Fire. The sci-fi space opera focused on Luke Skywalker being recruited on a mission to save Princess Leia from the Insidious Empire. He, along with mentor Obi-Wan Kenobi, smarmy smuggler, Han Solo, Scruffy Chewbacca, and robot duo C-3PO and R2-D2 board the planet destroyer Death Star and come across the menacing Darth Vader. The film's director George Lucas was inspired by Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress and various westerns, combining the ideas and tones, flipping them to a sci-fi and creating an American worldwide sensation. The effects blew audiences away, the characters charmed them, Darth Vader frightened them, and the story made them cheer. Naturally, other studios thought sci-fi was a natural go-to. Paramount countered by putting in production a motion picture version of their 60s space show Star Trek, Universal put Battlestar Galactica into production, and Walt Disney Productions greenlit the black hole, an incredibly boring movie that you liked for some bizarre reason. It looks really cool. <laughs> it's, it's a really cool looking movie. I, lo- so I, I knew you were going to bring that up too. I, I had a hunch. I was the second I heard black hole, I was going to like, I was hearing Ryan was going to say that. And by the way, also Star Trek, the motion picture is also really good. No. Those are two great oh, movies. That's, that's another boring one. That. <laughs> Got a better sequel. No, they're great. No, oh, whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Me watching the black hole. It wasn't. I mean, when I say like, I think what I mean is 
that I like the funny robots and the ending is <laughs> the ending is incredible. Yeah, the it's, ending is so weird. That's oh it's my crazy. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when the black hole bombed hard at the <laughs> box office, Imagineers once again packed up proposals and were tired of chasing teens from competitors six flags in Knott's Berry Farm. Tony Baxter himself realized that if the company itself couldn't put content that the audience wanted to see, they would have to access the rights to content they did want to see. Smart guy. Smart. <laughs> get, get that guy the CEO job. Yeah. Ron Miller sought to answer that call by paying George Lucas a visit. And that's really what I want to bring up here. A lot of people thought it was Michael Eisner. It was actually Ron Miller that kickstarted this. And a conversation started as George wondered what a Star Wars-themed attraction would be. Luckily for Ron, Lucas was an avid Disneyland fan and jumped on the idea. The relationship continued as Michael Eisner took leadership of the Walt Disney Company. Take the that, first- E-Card Walker. <laughs> <laughs> he only gave you Epcot Center. Don't be mean. Uh, <laughs> the first concept Imagineers presented Lucas with, with, however, was not the one that came to pass. So this is the light side, a dark side coaster. Wed's first concept was heavily ambitious. And once again, I towards seeking thrill seekers. This was to be an interactive coaster concept wildly ahead of its time. Guests would sit in futuristic but worn-looking coaster cars in a starport terminal, then head into a pitch black tunnel, eventually grading upwards on a steep incline. On our left would appear an image of Yoda. On the right, an image of Emperor Palpatine. Luke Skywalker would speak to us, saying we are strong with the Force, but it is up to us to choose whether or not we follow the path of the light side or the dark side. On our coaster trains in front of us, colored buttons would appear. Blue for light, red for dark. Much like Horizons, majority rules. If we choose the light, a track switch swings into place and the coaster hurdles through a less intense but still thrilling course littered with Star Wars music. If we choose the dark, our coaster throttles to the right and descends through a much more dizzying, intense layout still filled with John Williams' score. At the end, either Yoda welcomes you to the path of the Jedi or Palpatine welcomes you as a member of the Sith. So... I don't even have to begin to say that. I don't know how they would pull this off in the 1980s. Well, well they just use buttons, right? You have uh, two coasters. Mm-hmm. And oh, right. Yeah. It has to do a very fast track switch. Mm-hmm. This technology is available nowadays, but not so much available back in the 80s. You'd have to do something similar to the Indiana Jones, like random. I mean, the, 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 the Indiana Jones track switch at least originally, right, that used to have mm-hmm. the rotating ground. Right. Maybe it'd be something similar to that. But definitely, you're right, in the 80s, that would be an ambitious technical ass, especially if it's going to be user-decided and it's majority rules. It's just, it's such a, it's such a head-of-its-time idea. But also, I don't know, it, this, this is not kind of lame. Well, it's not really Star Wars-y. Because mm-hmm. if, if the coaster looks is just an indoor coaster with kind of like a black box kind of uh, theming, then yeah, that's kind of lame. I right. think a more interesting question is how funny would it be if children were put on this ride? And <laughs> uh, like a toddler's first coaster and they really oh, want to go on well, the I easy mean, like, side? Obviously, there will be height requirements stuff. Well, not like a toddler, toddler, but I mean, the height requirement would have to be different for each side, no? Right. (laughs) I would have to imagine that they would have to make it on whichever is the the highest. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, then why would anyone – why would you want to go on a more boring ride? Well, I don't know. Like, people would just want to – like, I don't want to be a Jedi. Yeah, but why is the Jedi one the boring side? I mean, I get I get what they're doing, right? But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it should be – if you have a choice between, like, green and orange, right, of Mission Space. Well, actually, New Mission Space kind of has that problem where – the the green side is arguably the more interesting yeah, side. The more interesting yeah. side. Yeah. It, it's just the side that no one would ever want to do. But it does seem weird that in the middle of the ride, the enjoyment you might have, for example, as like a coaster aficionado like yourself, is dependent on majority rules and you might end up suffering through a I don't know, maybe both maybe both will be fun, but it is nice that like there's two different variations. Right. Well, there are they two different variations, but they seem like com- completely different attractions. I don't know how much it would be. I don't think this was probably flushed out that much. I mean, there's no content for this. Right. It's a good idea, actually. Mm-hmm. I think an interactive oh, coaster yeah. is a oh, fascinating okay. idea. Now, now that's actually the thing that this exists, and okay. I should have. I should have researched this. I'm sorry. I can't remember. It's overseas, but there is a coaster that exists that um, the choice isn't on the layout, but it is a choice on um, how you start the coaster. You, It's a launched coaster, and you can either launch backwards or forwards. And That's it's the same exciting. thing. You you push a button, and that makes a decision. So you're like spinning. So you're on this like turntable, and you're spinning, and there's buttons. And you could hit for one for forwards and one for backwards. And there's right. majority rules. And that decides whether or not you're going to launch forward or backwards. How does that affect capacity? It doesn't. Because it, well, so, if because you have to wait there for timed, a second. But no, oh, it's timed. So you have to do it within a certain amount of time and then it takes off. And and that's I a see. great point is like this would have to, once again, it would have to affect the block breaks of right. making towards the capacity because – Okay, so you have to time it to where one layout would finish before the next car goes because what if people, three in a row, decide the light side? Exactly. You have a completely empty second track and now you're waiting. Like if so, and and, and if the next guy shows up and there's already three people on the blue track, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to prepare for them to potentially hit the blue track again. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it would, so, I think it seems like it'd be just a planning nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, to so you would, basically would have to have it a very fast track switch to where it immediately goes into a block break. That's for both ones because what, that's the only way it'll work. If I, I mean, I would. What could be neat actually is if you did something like Mickey and Minnie's where the the car is actually split. And that was like your decision because in that way you wouldn't, I thought would be like a technical night. Yeah. In the 1980s that, that, yeah, it's not going to happen in the 1980s. You would have to ensure you would be easy to ensure that the carts are going on the same timing because they come from the same train. But at, at this point, yeah, I do wonder what would happen if, you know, an X number of people picked blue, would you run mm-hmm. into an incredible logistical nightmare? Um, right. And the question is whether or not, like, it would be funny if, like, the kids are going on hoping they get the less intense one, but all oh, the the rest of the That'd people are just troll them. Bam! Yes. Dark. Ah! <laughs> just like going through. Imagine like, one that. of them have like a, like it has an inversion, and it's like I didn't want to go upside down. The, no. yeah, the, the only way I could see this working is if the blue one is just basically Big Thunder Mountain and the red one is this most the most horrible evil <laughs> roller coaster. 
It's like, it's like seven versions. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps going. There's like three. It it, it stops and relaunches. <laughs> that, that coaster's 35 minutes long. Darth Vader it, it, comes out. He's like, I am your father. Tells Aww. all the kids they're their father. Pay no attention to the man next to you. <laughs> <laughs> you you were adopted. It, it, you know, it can do like the little magic band thing. Nice. All right. Yes, this ride would have like opened back then and then. 30 years later, it would be like, Ryan, I am <laughs> like E.T. It would be like the worst, right. worst, mm-hmm. worst, worst just, thing. I think that <laughs> it would be just like, it would, uh, like one's like this, the barnstormer. <laughs> and the other one is like extremely intense. Yeah, it's just the most, it's the most evil children's ride ever. <laughs> one thing, though, I do want to ask is that I guess this isn't. This wasn't really planned seemingly to any extent. I mean, it, there was an idea, right? But it right. never made yeah. it to significant planning. Where would you put this in the 1980s? This was supposed to go, from what I'm aware, this was supposed to go in Tomorrowland. Right. And it was going to go probably where Adventure Space was, but instead of using the same Going to guess they would build a new building. So, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much the same place. What about you? I mean, would you put it anywhere? Yeah, else? Frontierland. Yeah. Frontierland. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I think that that makes the most sense. This is the the 1980s, so you're you're dealing with a much more limited space. I think that that's going to be an interesting thing. That is an interesting thing about Star Wars in general is that it finds its home in Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland yeah. Yeah. Um, space. Yeah. By necessity, right? It's, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, where else are you going to do it? That and to be honest it's a little derivative because you already have space mountain that's true it would be no different i think than a space mountain that has perhaps two tracks one of them more difficult but both of them along the same introductory launch there's a there's the wives tales about the different space mountain tracks right right? so Uh, really quick uh before we move on a fun fact did you know that space mountain opened the week that star wars opens in theaters I did not. Disneyland, yep. It was did the you, same week. Did you go see that new space thing? Yeah, I went on that ride that broke my <laughs> neck. No, 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 no. The other one. The one in theaters? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> so, needless to say, this concept was much, much too complicated and frazzled for early 80s tech. But Imagineer Mark Eads saw the potential and attraction he encountered in Toronto. At the base of the CN Tower was a ride called Tour of the Universe, which utilized an Atlas flight simulator. ATLAS stands for Advanced Technology Leisure Application Simulator, usually used for training pilots. It involves an enclosed cabin on a motion axis with a screen in front that mimics how the cabin moves and reacts. However, somebody saw the potential in the tech as a ride. Mark ran back to Lucasfilm on the web and told them about the simulator technology, and George was absolutely hooked. In 1987, this technology came together as Star Tours. In the attraction, guests boarded the Star Speeder 3000 and met Rex, a novice droid pilot, voiced by Paul Rubens, who makes many mistakes, including nearly crashing in the maintenance bay, missing our destination, navigating the innards of an icy comet, and getting involved in a rogue rebel mission to blow up a Death Star. The attraction was an instant success, but what excited George was the possibility of adding more missions as the years went on. 
but that never seemed to happen for the first 10 years as the attraction was so popular, Disney never saw a need to update it. In fact, in the queue line, it would actually tease more missions were on the way, you know, more than just Endor. In the mid-90s, Lucas stunned the world when he announced that he would be creating a new Star Wars trilogy set before the events of the original trilogy. Imagineering jumped at the chance to finally update Star Tours as George had originally intended. So this is the Star Tours prequel. Imagineers caught a glimpse of 1999's Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh no. Sorry. I don't I think they were looking at it not from a critical eye, but more of what can we make a ride out of? Instantly latched onto the pod racing scene. Quickly they cobbled together a brand new storyline. Set in the gears of the Grand Republic, Star Tours would be taking guests on a flight to Tatooine. Guests would climb into the familiar cabin and the screen would lower to feature a brand new droid, the confident and slick ace. The ride would begin as it used to, but with polished CGI graphics. I mean, as polished as it could be at the time. Hmm. And we'd view a star speeder in front of us making a very familiar wrong turn. Ace would crack, and this must be one of those new droids. And we'd blast off the hyperspaces as we normally would. We'd even reach our destination this time, but are told that there's a backup to connect to the starport. Ace scoffs, insisting he knows a shortcut. We zoom down to the planet's surface and fly through canyons, only to discover what seems to be a traffic jam. Suddenly, pit droids approach the sides of the vehicle, affixing engines to our star speeder. Ace calls, well, you hunk of junks, this is tour bus. A pit droid merely responds with a good luck salute. Ace turns to us, claiming that there's only one way out of this, to complete the course. The race begins, and we are neck to neck with the nasty, cheating Sebulba, but we win. However, our overpowered vehicle is too heavy with the engines to lift up back into space and we crash into the seating arena. Ace claims, well, I guess this is our stop. We exit out as we see animatronic aliens on stands cursing us out in its um, unintelligible language and descend in a Tatooine-themed gift shop. Now that would be pretty neat. Some kind of a themed exit for any ride would be pretty neat. How would that work? It would... I, uh, you would just walk into like, a, you know, like Kong has that scene where you drive past Kong. No, 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 no. I mean, okay. So what do you mean? You know how the Star Tours simulator bay works? Oh, oh, oh that's a good point. <laughs> that you'd walk off. What do you what, like? You walk in, you walk off. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or? I mean, like, how 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 is this? How does this work? Does that does does it seem descend from the heavens or something like that? I mean, no, you would you would you would leave the Star Tours bay. And you'd walk out into a door, and it would but be. How would this make like sense? What do you mean? How would it make sense? Okay, okay, okay. okay. So you go into Star Tours. The doors yeah. open. Yeah. You go in, and you're on a you're like a pad that leads yeah, to the right. Star Suite. Okay. Yeah. And you're in a black space. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you exit doors, and you're in that black space again. But then you walk out, and then you're on the stands. Well, I think. Yeah, the doors would just open outwards, and maybe you would see the stands of the, uh, the robots. How? I meant the doors. Oh, I, I, I see what you mean. I meant the doors of the Star Speeder. Like, maybe they could just, like, pull it, they, pull they, the walls closer. Well, I mean, that's the thing. When they, like, fly the scene in, because you have to have the space open in order to do its motions. No, I think that the it would be like, you know when you leave Star Tours currently and you right. walk into mm-hmm. the little hallway? Why wouldn't it just be there? But the, how would that make sense? 
Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that you should be able to look back at your starship and see it in the crowd of, of mm-hmm. aliens. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think they would just be lazy with that. I, th- I, I, it seems like the answer would be more that you would, it wouldn't like look like your ship was in there. You would just walk out into Tatooine traders and there would be mm-hmm. a bunch of angry. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It sounds like the, this, this, the, this sounds really boring, like, oh. I, but, but only because Phantom Menace is boring. Okay. Like I think that's kind of the that's kind of the killer of the of this ride is that it it is a ride about the most critical parts of the Phantom Menace. Right, it's, it's which... all about the pod racing. Exactly. And and the great thing that they did when they made Adventures Continue, which we'll eventually talk about, is that the pod racing is a part of it. They do do that scene. Like that scene is in there. But at the same time, it's not all what that ride is about. Right. Well, yeah, because you can switch. You switch be- between locations, between scenarios, and it's, it's not the, the, the more fascinating ride, idea. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You, you and can I have think a different ending scene. Yeah. Well, had had this had had the first movie had been any good, maybe this would have been an interesting idea. Pod racing is yeah. definitely like a classic. It's a great theme park idea if people grappled onto it. I of right. course wasn't born in nineteen or I did I wasn't alive and like conscious to know how well pod racing caught on to people. I know there was arcade <laughs> games and video games, but I played episode one racer and yeah. I mean I think I think the pod racing was the most popular part of Phantom Menace. It was yeah. definitely the one thing that people really enjoyed. I guess I guess except for Darth Maul. People like Darth Maul. He's fun. He's, he's got a cool lightsaber. He's cool. <laughs> he looks cool. He. I just think he's nice. <laughs> I just think he's neat. <laughs> I, no, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I, 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 I mean, obviously there's not much to complain about here because the ride was eventually, for all intents and purposes, done, but with more stuff. I wonder if they would have, I know, I know there's CGI, but the prequels were also defined by a lot of practical effects. So maybe there would have been some practical sets and stuff like that. I, I don't um, believe there will be. I no, don't think there would be, you know? No. I don't, you don't think so? Miniatures? Oh, no, 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 no. No, well, no, 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 no. We really dodged a bullet then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I... all about that technology, man. <laughs> he was. Also, I think that the one problem that might come up is that, and, and that didn't come up in the new one, is that Rex is endearing. It's a Disney character, weirdly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just a a robot it's written like a disney character and c3po is iconic and fun Mm -hmm. charming ace if it's the same ace of course from the pre-show of star tours the adventures continue and it's poking fun at how look at how baby this old ride was now we get a cool hip new ride Mm -hmm. i think that that just reeks of blandness it's very 90s it's very late 90s to be honest yeah right yeah, they, you could. We can't do a ride that's any fun and endearing. That that yeah. that's a, for babies. This one has rockets, and <laughs> this one has Sebulba. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid name, Sebulba. <laughs> yeah, I think that this this is uh, one that I kind of I'm like. Ah, it's a weak idea. It is a weak idea. I just feel like there's like with the original Star Tours, you have all these fun vignettes. And it, it it builds up to the Death Star, but right. this one feels very much like it's just all one vignette. Yeah, and especially I think a particularly disinteresting one. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very developed. Like, does vignette. anybody want to ride a two and a half minute long pod race? And <laughs> not really. I mean, I think it's it gets boring after a second. That's why the 
the one in the adventures continues works so well. I mean, it's only like 30 seconds long. Exactly. The 30 seconds long and it's sandwiched between probably two or three other. Correct. Mm -hmm. But I do find it funny that they actually pay homage to this old idea in that one because they lose the pod racing and they almost crash into the stands. They they should have crashed into the stands and killed all the <laughs> an, the aliens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do crash a lot into the new Star Wars one. They do that a lot. You know what? I always you know my favorite way to go on Star Tours. This is completely off topic, and you're gonna yell mm-hmm. at me. But my favorite thing about Star Tours is when you someone like vomits in the ride, right? Oh God! And they shut down your thing for like five minutes, but they let you on it. Because that's the only way where the immersion ever actually works. Why? It, I, because I can't stand it when you're entering your the pod and you can hear the the, the victory music oh. and the doors are open on the other side. Yeah, I, I, I get you, what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. it's 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 just odd. I get what they're doing. The whole idea was so when when they originally introduced Star Tour, the whole idea was it was like sort of like a mini movie. And mm-hmm. when the doors open, but the Star Wars theme plays because that's how every Star Wars movie begins. So right. you're supposed to get that same experience. And I think that just carried over. And I think it's right. I agree. Yeah, I agree. What I really like is that when you go into one, like when the other side is completely booted out and they don't get their little adventure thing, their adventure score, mm-hmm. and you walk in and it's like silent. It sounds like you're in like an airplane. Right, yeah. and you're like entering the you're entering the airplane just like you would in real life, and you can kind of hear the air in the room, and it's quiet. It's a fantastic way to start the ride. Have you ever it, noticed? It feels normal. Have you ever noticed there's a little sound cue behind the the curtain that you can hear C three PO working? Yes, yeah, that's you right. Yeah. That's a really cool. Idea. It's really neat, and I think that the the push to get more people on the ride, which is definitely why you enter in as other people are exiting, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's it's really neat though when you walk into like a completely quiet one and that's take cool. your seat. Like I've never done that before, but that's cool. That's really? Yeah, cool yeah. If if you do it, it it doesn't only happen when people throw up. Um, <laughs> you, just, you just bribe somebody ahead of you. It, it happens to me on like rare instances when I'm going on late. I think. I think at Disneyland it happened one time when I went during the fireworks because if you if it, if it it just ends it just so happens right that they they delay for like a second or maybe they have like someone they need to get off on the other side mm-hmm. like assist with like a wheelchair right so then they let everyone out and then they open the doors and they open the doors other, right mm-hmm. yeah I always thought that was neat but I think that part of the 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 idea of Star Tours being about an airline and things like that. Um, is almost necessary that things go wrong. You know, right. it's like it's like a rinky dink, cheapo Hollywood stars, you know, kind of tour, especially with Rex. So I, I think the Ace version is would have been particularly planned. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on right now to uh, one of the most controversial ones. So about Star Tours, the prequel, uh, Lucas enjoyed the pitch, but felt it wasn't ambitious enough. Meanwhile, he completed work on all three prequel films in a two mixed reception, to say the least, and Star Tours kept in stasis. Imagineers then approached George in the late 2000s with a concept he couldn't resist. Star Tours The Adventures continued debuted in 2011, still a prequel to the original ride, which took place after the events of the original trilogy, but set between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. 
guests would board the Star Speeder 1000, but due to a mix-up, C-3PO is now our reluctant pilot. The flight is interchangeable as we visit two destinations, each different with two starts of the experience that change in and out. As C-3PO and R2 scramble to safely deliver a Rebel Spy on board to the craft. Have you ever been the Rebel Spy? No, I was never a cute kid. I actually have been the Rebel Spies. Oh. So it was very weird. I did not expect that. Uh, in 2012, Lucasfilm was bought by Disney and revived the franchise, kickstarting production on the sequel trilogy. They knew one of the keystones to this purchase would be a massive Star Wars themed land. The original plan WDI cooked up was to have guests visit Tatooine itself, stroll into the Moss Eisley Cantina, view the Millennium Falcon, and have a new e-ticket attraction attached. This was rebuffed by Bob Iger and Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy, who wanted Imagineering to look forward to the future of Star Wars. Hot take, that's a great choice, I think. Ooh, okay. Yeah, hot, yeah Star Wars sucks. I mean... <laughs> Imagineers cooked up various ideas that would take place on a brand new planet called Bot 2. One idea was a speeder bike chase, and another involved guests manning a bounty hunter ship using blasters to evade the authorities. You could see the concept art from that with all those uh, guns that you would kind of man. And... But the one that we're going to mainly talk about was a Bantha ride. Ultimately, one idea stuck alongside the Millennium Falcon Simulator in the Battlescape trackless dark ride, the Banffa Elite Attraction. And you can see the concept art of that in the mm. show notes. The attraction would feature a Bantha-like creature, obviously an animatronic named Ely, that guests could pet and then climb onto and ride. About six to eight passengers at a time could ride on top of the Ely as it would travel on an elevated circuit with motion designed to resemble riding atop an elephant-like creature. The circuit would board near the Falcon's garage, go to the resistant outpost, and back in a circle. About four or five Ely creatures would be featured in the ride, making capacity extremely limited. They had working names such as Elliot and Ellie. Supposedly, a plan was to have the creature also be in the land, interacting with guests. The, event, the idea was eventually shot down, allegedly due to capacity concerns, but also rumors hint that it was a budget-related issue. So, a lot of people, when this was eked out, got upset. And said, oh, this is the people mover attraction that we should have had. Now, looking at it, I kind of get why it's not a thing. Because it's not like the people mover where it's just a series of cars that easily goes back and forth, back and forth. This is a really interesting idea that seems more tailor-made to a specialized experience. Right you know, that would be easier for capacity. No, I agree with that. I think people are mis they're they're conflating this with something like the Yoshi attraction at the Nintendo Land, Agreed. where you would just be like a simple ride the thing around the tiny track. And, mm-hmm. and while that's neat, this likely would have been I these these animatronics I think would have been complex, so mm-hmm. difficult to fix. Right. Probably constantly breaking just because of how intensive the idea would be. And uh, a real pain in the ass to do in Florida. When it yeah. rains a lot. 
or curry. I, especially with fur. Like, my God, that would smell horrible in like a week. <laughs> Kids would rub their blue milk covered hands. Oh, oh God. <laughs> no, I think that it's a really good idea. Perhaps something that would have been really well fitted towards a Star Wars hotel experience. Right. Like, and and that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't mind the idea of this giant band and people are riding atop it. And maybe that's something that you can do on the ground with the people on the star cruiser. That's like an special experience that they can do. And you can, it can fit with the people on the ground because kids could go up and, you know, pet the fur and stuff like that. Well, that, or they could have done something similar to the, the petting zoo, right. That was initially, Mm -hmm. I think proposed for galaxy's edge. Yes. Um, I remember that. Which I think also would have, which maybe wouldn't have allowed people to ride the actual Bantha. Maybe that would have been something separate. But mm-hmm. having like an active animatronic is, I think, a great idea. It would have definitely added to the marketplace kind of vibes of Batu. Because if there's anything that doesn't shine through in Batu that would be there for a, I, I hate to say it, but traditional marketplaces like animals, mm-hmm. some kind of like an animal life. There are the, the kittens or whatever, the loth cats. Loth cats, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's the loth cat and the sarlacc in what's his name's doc, uh, doc on doc on door. Yeah. yeah. Doc yeah. Andor. But I do think that this would have been a, a great idea. It's one of those cases where Imagineering just got a little too probably ambitious, ambitious. Yeah. I don't think it would have been reasonable, but you know, it's yeah, one of those things where if they did it, that'd be neat. I guess that's the thing. A lot of people really, and, and that's, that's the thing that, Again, as we do this podcast more and more and more, I find out that a lot of people hear an idea and really just – they don't really think it entirely through. They just say, well, that sounds really cool. And when we examine it and go through it, we can discover, okay, well, here's probably why it doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. it's rare that it's just you know an issue due to – unfortunate timing and it would have really worked like the Muppet studio we keep going back to right uh but in this case i think that it really was just something that never never would have come to fruition it never would have made it to being something good i think like it's like a luigi's flying tires right and it wouldn't have lasted long you know that it's interesting that you mentioned that because my my thought is well number one I think that they probably ran into a weird ethics thing where of course there are going to be animals right that's what they should do but Disney's weird and probably didn't want to make a really sad ride where you ride animals oh. that are there for sport right oh right mm-hmm. I I don't think that's reasonable but I do think that that sounds like something Disney would be a little hesitant about because it, it it is a bit of a bummer right. That would happen in a Star Wars movie. Look, well, actually, it did. It happened in Episode Eight, right? Oh, uh, that was the thing with the the Last Jedi. They they find the Fathers, and you know, she's like, "Oh, these poor animals." Yeah, and then yeah. the movie's really boring in that part. I like that movie. I like that movie. I'm just saying that part's boring. You got to admit, you got to admit that part's really boring. You got to admit it. Justice for Rose Tico. <laughs> I I do think that the park could have they could have done something interesting where they did just like six of these tied to a little chain and it's a uh, mater's kind of dancing 
trucks oh, or whatever. I, I mean, don't know about that. I just, so? really, I just get really hesitant when you just discuss. The only thing for a Star Wars flat ride I think it would possibly work is like X-Wing training thing. And that would explain why they're like on little. Yeah, but it wouldn't work for Batu. I mean, it could you if you you made it to where it was an X-wing training simulator. You could make it work. You could make. It I think work. you'd have to make it work in like some kind of Chester and Hester thing where there's this little I, I goblin so. guy who wants you, to. I I disagree with that. Why why wouldn't it be a resistance training simulator? Because that doesn't make any sense. It does make sense. Why is there resist? What do you mean resist? I thought it was a there's flat a, ride. It's a if, little if spinner. It, if it's a spinner, if it's a spinner. And you have this like weird device that they're training people on piloting X wings. You could make it work. How does that train? Wait, all right. You know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe the you and I shouldn't be making Star Wars rides. <laughs> so I think that I, I think. Well, my yeah, and maybe it's the same problem actually that you would have with the stupid Mater ride idea that I had is that it, it's yeah. not nearly complicated enough or interesting enough that would I think would make it a worthy ride for Batu. I think they still need that attraction, that kind of X-wing training simulator ride for kids. I think that's what the land is missing, but that's just me. I I, I think they could definitely you could appeal to kids with an animatronic animal ride. Yes, um, you kids, could. Kids will just go on Millennium Falcon for that ride, though. They want to drive ships. They'll go on the real ride with the actual stuff. No, you're Give right, little you're babies right. like a, a little petting zoo. Well, that was initially. But <laughs> I think that this would have been a cool idea. I don't think it's something that was worth the stress that it probably would have come with. Mm-hmm. This is just another case of Imagineering R&D having a fantastic idea that is going to be incredibly difficult to actually implement in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the walk around Wampa. Right. Although maybe we will see that one day and I'll, I'll be completely wrong. Well, they'll, we'll, have, they'll have it be the walk around old yeah. Peter Pan. From it's either going to be the Groot or oh, yeah, either yeah. the Groot or it's going to be the Wampa. Yeah, I think that that, that this is a, it's a really fantastic idea, though. I love the concept art. You it's, lo- it's yeah, it's, it's a cute idea. I just don't think it I don't think it's practical. I mean, the whole thing was so. you you would hate that speeder bike one. They were they were thinking that could be a VR one. So thank God Ugh. that didn't happen. I'm not sure about the, uh, the the Mandalorian one, the bounty hunter one, mm-hmm. where you're on gunners. I feel like that's what the extra thing in the uh, you know the gunner position on the Falcon. That's what it should be. Yeah, I do think actually though that the more I think about it, the more I think about this ride, the more I think that it would make. Batu feel like Main Street, which I think would be a pretty neat idea. It's a like cute, the, well, the that's buses. the thing. That's the thing. Okay. When you have Main Street, you mm-hmm. go, you see the vehicles. The great thing about that, not everyone wants to ride the vehicles, and the vehicles right. aren't always, there's no line for it. You just True. hop on one of them, and it's not expected of, like, anything else. And if the Bantha thing would be have to be the same, it would have to be the same, but and how do you make be. that work? You couldn't make that work. Because everyone right. wants to ride the Bantha. Exactly. It's just a Star Wars ride. It, w- it wouldn't be feasible. It's it's kind of like the People Mover. The People Mover really only works when it's kind of an easy on, easy off. And Not as of that, that, that isn't like, the it, case. It can actually work like that because there's a, a never-ending line of cars. That's right. But I do think that that the you know if the People Mover was rethemed tomorrow to like 
what's cringe star okay. wars probably star yeah wars. <laughs> just just what's cringe star wars in the middle of our star wars podcast <laughs> well I, I i'm i'm trying to think of what would get like 850,000 people with iPhones on selfie sticks pointed at themselves going hey guys it's me, Mr. Disney fan, and today we're going on the new Star Wars People Mover. And then they go on, and there's a video of them with open faces, like, oh my god, it's Chewbacca! It's <laughs> Chewbacca here in the People Mover! It's Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're just pumping in awesome <laughs> guys. Hey, 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 hey. I heard... I heard that that ride is going to make Epcot purists cry. Oh, are you going to cry? <laughs> are you going to cry, little baby? You're going to cry. <laughs> Look at you, Miss Little Epcot purist Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that yeah, but I think that you're right. The 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 popularity of the ride just simply by being a Star Wars ride would be far too much to create a low capacity basic translation ride and even worse if you tried to market this as a ride i think you'd get the same backlash as those animal kingdom radio disney boats or whatever oh yeah mm-hmm. I yeah that you would you would get people going on and be like all right where's the ride and it's like this is the ride oh, i hate this this is garbage that's a great point. How would the general the, public react to this? Because we all know, like, the Diz Twitter, like, I would have loved this. I would have loved this. this. This is what Batu needed. And but the general public would be like, what the hell is this? The cat, you go up to Rise of the Resistance, you're like, hey, we didn't get one of those boarding passes. And my kid doesn't like motion simulators. What other rides do you have? And they're like, well, we have the fantastic Bantha experience. The line <laughs> stretches into Toy Story Land. <laughs> It's there's a virtual queue and it's sold That's, out. Right Sorry. Oh, there would be a virtual queue. My God. <laughs> Lightning Lane costs one hundred and fifty dollars per person. Extremely limited. It only goes for people staying at Golden Ogle. <laughs> they, uh, you have to you have to go to the Star Wars hotel for this one and right. buy the the additional the additional ticket. Mm, of course um all right oh here we go give us the good question ryan the question yeah the oh, big question. you mean the question yes so <laughs> i only know what the answer is going to be because i know the answer is if it's if it's what it is for me i know what it's going to be the same for you uh build mm. it or not do we wish any of these three proposed star wars rides are built or were they just simply not strong with the force Maybe I'll go against the grain here. Maybe I'll go against the grain. The first one, I think, is a messy, difficult idea, a very difficult idea. But I like the idea of a controllable attraction. I I wonder if you... I've always had this idea for like a ride where everybody with majority rules, like the song playing on the roller coaster. I think that would be neat. Or some kind of like a universal decision making. Yeah, yeah. Not like they pick their own. I mean that you pick one for everyone else. One for everyone else. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that that's the one thing, like the individualistic thing of Rip Ride Rock and stuff is, is, is cool and all, but I do think there's something, there is something communal, right? About going on a big, nice, fast roller coaster with a group of 15 people behind you, you know? So I do think that it's a good idea. Obviously, like you said, it's a spaceship, geez, space mountain kind of attraction that probably wouldn't have been too different. So I don't know if it should have been built. But I definitely like the idea a lot, uh, and I think mm-hmm. you could revisit that idea nowadays with better tech and create something really, really cool. Okay. The Star Tours prequel is, I think, stupid, so I'll move on from it. Well, it already has been built, and it's been built better. So yes, I agree. I think, yeah. I think, and, and I think 
as a replacement for the original Star Tours, it would have been a weird dated 90s thing. And, and have you have been- to think about like what would it be? I mean – Usually we have, you know, what if, and we, during these listicle episodes, we kind of bypass that. But the, mm-hmm. the what if of the Star Tours prequel, I think it wouldn't have lasted long. It would be different now, especially as the sequel trilogy would right. get in. So now we kind of live in this world where both of them exist. And I think George made the right call by kind of dismissing it. He made that right call. Yeah, I think so too. It, it it was too limited, and especially mm-hmm. as he was developing this universe that was infinitely wide and shallow as hell, that, it was probably a good idea to prob to to, to leave some room for some expansion. Not and this would just political have discourse, please. More political discourse. That should have made a ride about Iraq. They should have like a thirty minute, <laughs> a thirty minute Senate scene. Yeah, worst the Bush era policy. I <laughs> oh, go to Twitter. They're going to tell you those movies are good and not yeah. garbage. I tried to sit through like 40 minutes of episode three and I got a real bad headache. I was, and that's miserable. the best one. It is the best, <laughs> one. The best one. People, people to this day are like, it's fun. It's good. It is, it is rough. It is hard to sit through. I tried to watch the scene where Mace Windu tries to kill Palpatine. Oh my goodness. That movie's boring. Mm. Um, yeah, that movie's awful. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, finally the, the Bantha one. Yeah, I wish we lived in a world where this would have worked. I think the problem is is that you have to, you know, look at capacity and look at demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a perfect world, yes. Yeah, in a perfect world, this would have absolutely been a great little tiny ride for, for kids and families and stuff like that, especially if it walked you around the park and this was their big, you know, the way to introduce wildlife here. That said, I don't think we live in that world, so it was probably a good tear, idea tear, to, tear, to leave tear. it away. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the animals in Avatar? When Avatar 5 comes out, they better add a damn animal to Avatar Land. Where are the Na'vi? Why, why, why isn't that? What no, they, they, that giant... They took a picture they... with Jay Rasulo. Right? And... <laughs> where they they where they replaced everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, they're there. They're in the they're in the dining place, mm-hmm. and that's it. Are you excited for Avatar two? <laughs> I I didn't like Avatar one. <laughs> <laughs> it stunned people at CinemaCon. <laughs> oh, what didn't stun people at CinemaCon? CinemaCon <laughs> seemed like a fever dream. <laughs> what the so, hell is CinemaCon? CinemaCon is a, a convention for exhibitor and theater owners at uh, Las Vegas. And the studios all come out and show them, this is why you need to still buy our movies to show in your theaters. Sorry wow. for the whole pandemic thing. Sorry. Imagine about that. imagine showing a theater distributor a clip of Wonka and making that think that they want to buy more <laughs> movies. That's why we need Star Wars back. <laughs> Rogue Squadron coming out soon. The MCU is ruining movies. <laughs> But for me, and we we kind of went over. I kind of personally agree with everything you said. So yeah, oh, okay. Uh, no, no, and no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I just the Bantha ride is obviously the one that in a perfect world this would work. But we don't mm-hmm. live in a perfect world, so no. If it was a, a long line of like continuously moving Banthas. Maybe, but that also would be really weird, wouldn't it? If it's just a long line of Banthas moving along a track. Like, what? why? Why would that be even a thing? That doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. 
sorry fans of this Mantha attraction, but no, I personally don't want to see that. There yeah. was another idea called Lucasland, which we might go into, which was a complete re- re- formation of Tomorrowland that would have been themed to Star Wars and George Lucas properties, and he would have t- completely taken it over. But, red, uh, tails, uh, red Tails! Red Tails! <laughs> Willow! Willow! How are they not? <laughs> What's uh, that one? Strange Magic! Oh, God. No, this was way before that. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that in like another time. This is more towards Star Wars. And if there's anything that me, if I, if I personally missed for unbuilt Star Wars attractions in the Disney parks, so let me know. We did talk about the Disneyland Dubai that had that Jedi Temple attraction, but mm. and the Death Star Spinner. So we, we already discussed that, but that was never a thing. And if anybody shows me that goddamn uh, fake Star Wars theme park map that went viral years and years ago when Disney announced that they were buying Star Wars, have you seen that? I have. I remember seeing it a yeah, long it was, time ago. It's basically I think we like talked about Disneyland, it. but it's Star Wars and the Death Stars, the castle. Uh, yeah. If anybody shows me that, I'm going to slap them across the face and say, please don't show me fan art. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, but no thanks, because I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I don't know. A Star Wars theme park sounds weird. I think I'm fine with Batu as we got. A lot of people... Criticized Batu and Galaxy's Edge and having flaws. And yeah, it has some flaws, but I really like the ambition. I'm sorry. I like Galaxy's Edge. I think it's really cool. What about you? Well, first off, I wanted to to thank you. I know that you you, you sent me this message before the show that you're going to let me review The Last Jedi now. After oh, God. The thing. You said that's why you said if I came on today that I would get my hour and a half to talk about the last Jedi. <laughs> I, like I that think... hasn't been talked to death alone. On the <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't even make fun of it. I can't even make fun. Yeah, of course. The, as a Star Wars theme park idea, I just think it's a little too, too samey. The thing that mm-hmm. excites me about the Disney parks and what I think is is probably some failures in other places is that they're they're very diverse in like the ideas. And the, the the properties, of course, and the attractions, but similar in the theming of, of all of it. And I think that the problem with Star Wars is that Star Wars doesn't really have a way, I think, to like diegetically switch through planets without mm-hmm. making it really weird. You know, I think that when you hop from Adventureland to New Orleans Square to Critter Country to Galaxy's Edge to, to Frontierland to Fantasyland... It's really, really natural and I think feels really, really good. And it's the the benefit of creating a park that has a central cohesive theme with different spokes. You know, I think that if you want to know how it would feel going from Tatooine to Hoth, go from Toy Story Land to Galaxy's Edge right. mm-hmm. and see how that feels. I also think that we've talked about Batu to death and I feel like we're, what are we, like the only two defenders of Batu anymore? <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting original idea that synthesizes the feeling of star Wars mm-hmm. and looking at these rides here, the first two in particular, I think Batu was the, the, the natural conclusion of this tension between just recreating star Wars and star tours and the attempt of making something feel star Warsy and, and I'm, I'm copywriting that word, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Warsy. Yeah, Star, War- <laughs> Star Warsian. When people write their intellectual essays about Star Wars, I want them to write Star Warsian and cite 
the unbuilt podcast. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that we will never talk about Star Wars ever again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's not <laughs> And I, I will say, even though I like Blue Milk, I still wish it's they good. had. I like it, but I still wish they would have an actual milk variation. I know I get what they're going for, but I, I, I want I want an actual chilled milk. I, I want a chilled milk that tastes the same, but it's a milk. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. And Ronto Rats rule. And uh, hmm. I like Docky Bay 7 and hmm. DJ Rex hmm. for hmm. life. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> so I, I like the state of Star Wars in the theme parks right now. I think it could be improved. But do I wish that any of the ideas that they, they had in the past were built instead? Not really, because I think there is a reason why they dismiss these things and to become the best version of themselves. Now, do you really quickly before we log off, I do want to ask you a question. Mm. And uh, we started this podcast by talking about Star Tours. Do you think Star Tours fits nowadays or should go away? I think in in Hollywood Studios, undoubtedly. I, I do hope Star Tours sticks around. I don't think it's it's dated yet. I think it provides a lot of people star wars is now catering to two fan groups it's catering for the the people who are into the explicit text and then the people who are into just the idea and the the world and i think star tours very nicely counterbalances batu if it's not your taste agreed then you can go do the randomizing star tours that said i do think in disneyland it's a much more difficult thing to justify still being there Uh, that if disneyland had put more time into tomorrowland it wouldn't be there i don't think but i do i do think star tours especially the current one is on a a little bit of a last leg in disneyland so i i think the future is going to be interesting especially as i think the future of star tours and batu are going to be interesting because batu might have cornered themselves into like not being able to to expand you know what i right. mean mm-hmm. kind of like kind of like i doubt diagon alley is ever going to get a big expansion or something like that mm-hmm. but I, I guess we'll see i i think that i think that that's an interesting question and i'd hope star tours stays around for a little bit longer no i absolutely agree with that i i think that it has its place in hollywood studios but in disneyland tomorrowland would be best served if it got the tokyo treatment which they just announced that you know whole new tomorrowland Right. God forbid we get the cinnamon uh, roll. Space you don't like that? Oh, I, I like it. I like oh, it. Okay, it's just the, the Disneyland itself needs that Tomorrowland to do so much more. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it definitely does. As as a huge fan of Star Tours, it's hard to imagine it going away. But right, <sighs> it it is new Star Tours. Yeah, it is new Star Tours. It's not it's not Rex, and we have Rex. In uh, Batu, which is really That's nice. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if it goes away, it goes away. But I'm not sure if whether or not we need it anymore. It's 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 hard to tell. But we'll we'll see that as the future of Star Wars goes along. And watch Kenobi on <laughs> May 27th on Disney no, Plus. No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, never, never. You're gonna watch it. No, I'm not. I won't watch that boring show. <laughs> I'm going to see, there was this, there, oh, I, I, this is just, there's this one guy on Twitter who always likes the stupidest Star Wars tweets, and it was this one of Ben Kenobi grabbing, like, 800 Star Wars blasters in episode four, 
and I, I I saw it and I couldn't believe. I was like, did people watch these movies? Do they know what Star Wars is about? <laughs> and uh, I think Kenobi is going to be an incredibly interesting show for oh, I, children. I'm very curious to see how this is going to go. I, I I can tell you how. You know what's funny? So I I love my dad. He's 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 a geek, and he. When when we watched No Way Home together, he was like, "This didn't have enough fan service," and I was, I, I clearly the apple fell as far away from the tree <laughs> as it possibly could. I, get I ready for Doctor listening. Strange. So, but well, I'm excited for Doctor Strange. You got that Sam Raimi kick ready. Although mm-hmm. I know that's gonna make me nauseous with all the the stuff. Anyways, so he uh, and I were talking about Kenobi, and I was like, what do you think? And he's like, you know, I think it's just a little too indulgent to have Kenobi fight Darth Vader. And I said in my mind, when you have lost him <laughs> on the fan service issue, then you really made a mistake. Oh, I, I'm very, very eager to see this. This is going to be an interesting <laughs> one, for sure. But yeah. for now, in the meantime, <laughs> please don't kill us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please follow us on social media on twitter at unveil pod you can reach me at open mother's mail and ryan dorman at open the dorman feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us on stitcher itunes and anchor or wherever you find this podcast please write a review and tell us how we're doing and if you don't like us thank you for listening to coffee with kenobi i'm dan zier may the force be with you And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars! Those near in Star Wars! My seventh winner up here, Star Wars!